When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everybody, it's Weird Islanders, the podcast, back once again. My name is Dan, that is Mike. How are you tonight, Mike? I'm doing pretty good, pretty pretty excited about this one. This is an era, I think, uh, we've kind of, I wouldn't say, it's, it's not ignored, but, but we don't spend too much time strolling these streets. Uh, mm. I think the Craig Janney episode was as close as we've gotten, really. Mm. Uh, and what better way uh, to kind of get into this very strange part of islander history than with this conduit that is um still relevant yeah we had each other very very relevant i know shocking as that may seem but uh yeah the man who we're going to talk about has uh, had many lives in the nhl and uh we're going to talk about his brief time with the islanders and obviously his uh much longer time with one of their rivals and to do that we've brought on our special guest he is the master of fun and games for Broad Street Hockey Radio. He also works for the legendary WIP. He is an expert on all things Philly sports. And now finally, I get to ask Bill Matz the question that you ask everybody when they come on your show. How you doing? I'm doing quite well. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having good. me here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. I- I'm super excited. Uh, I've said many times on our flagship show, Islanders Anxiety and at Lighthouse Hockey, I'm a huge fan of what you guys do over at Broad Street Hockey Radio. It's my favorite non-Islanders podcast. 
uh, the way you and Charlie and Steph and Kelly, who's one of my favorite people on the entire internet, uh, the way you do what you guys do is really great. And it's always entertaining whether the flyers are very good or in some cases, very bad. Uh, as the master of fun and games, I'm fascinated by how you're when able to very good times. I would love, I would love a, a <laughs> reminder of, of when things yes. were very good. It would be, it would be, yes, it would be a change of pace uh, to be sure to get back to those days, which to me see, still aren't that long ago, but I guess uh, if you're in it, then yeah, I mean, in my mind, the Islanders still haven't beaten the Flyers. That that like twenty five game winless streak <laughs> against the Flyers is still very fresh in my memory, I, and and it ended what a decade ago with with right. Nabokov, and I, it, I still every time they play the Flyers, I'm like, they got to win this game. They haven't beat this team since two thousand and six. <laughs> <laughs> Does feel that way. Um, but so, how are you able to like? do a podcast where you wrangle three other people, including yourself all at the same time. That must be exhausting for you. <laughs> oh, it's, it's generally impossible. Uh, we, <laughs> we eventually will come up with a, a day and time that works for everybody. But right now we're trying to, we're trying to work on this week's episode. And I'm like, Oh yeah, everyone can do Thursday. I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. Thursday. That works great. And then I talked to my wife for one minute and she's like, no, Thursday doesn't work. Like you have other things going on in your life. You're, you're not doing your podcast that day. And it's just like, it's, it's always something. It's why there's usually where, where someone's short, but it it works out pretty well. We, uh, it's, Mm. it's a big enough priority for everyone that we're able to set aside sometime, Mm. but it's definitely not easy. I, I can imagine. But I mean, you've you've been doing it for a long time. You've cultivated quite an audience. How, how are things going at the new site? Obviously, you guys, like we did, got caught up with the whole SB Nation thing earlier this year. But uh, the site is up and running and it looks great. And uh, I, I assume the transition has uh, gone pretty well. And uh, everybody's, you know, kind of back up and running to basically where it was before. Yeah, uh, site is up and running. Everything's going real well. You know, you shouted out Kelly earlier. And she uh, she absolutely kills it for us in so many different regards and getting this thing going uh, between her and Steph just doing tremendous work. And right now we're looking for a, a new host for the podcast. So that's that mm. should be coming down pretty soon. And things yeah. are trending up for Broad Street Hockey, if not Excellent. the team we cover. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's always it never really quite works that way. You guys get all the the listens when the team isn't so good. It's happened to us too. But uh, yeah, no, again, I'm I'm a fan, and I've been following you guys all over, and I'll continue to follow you. Uh, but today we're here to talk about. We'll get to the, the current Flyers uh, towards the end of the show. But uh, we're here to talk about a man who is a uh, a Flyers legend, a guy who played many many years with the Flyers, had. Two stops outside of Philly, one of which was on Long Island, and the other one we'll we'll get to in a second, and uh, is a fascinating person, player, and uh, again, a, a still a target of a derision, at least for people my age who are Islanders fans. So, Bill Matz, will you please reveal the subject of tonight's episode of Weird Islanders, the podcast? The former Con Smythe winner, the former Vezina Trophy winner, the NHL's all-time leader in goalie penalty minutes with a very nice... 569 Ron Hextall sexy hex <laughs> see now that's why we come to you because you are the man who can give us the the true the best introduction to this man who uh most people listening to this probably still hate <laughs> <laughs> so I was let's see I was three when yeah. Hextall made his uh little jaunt to to Long Island but I actually 
in 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 a funny way remember him because of Milek hockey sticks. Do you oh, wow. remember those like the the wooden ones yeah. with like the plastic? Yeah, the street yeah. hockey sticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. um, my cousins, my my cousins who were older, my older brother, uh, they were big Islander fans, and uh, we we we'd play you know street hockey at my grandparents' house or wherever we were, cousins' house, and um, I just remember hearing the name Hextall all the time when someone was in goal, <laughs> and so no matter what, whenever someone mentions the name Ron Hextall, the first image that comes to my mind. Uh, is that plastic blade of a Milek hockey stick in a, in a very strange way. And the other thing is those beautiful uh, Islanders jerseys of that era, like that, that those Royal blue, mm. they, they looked, they looked like they were also made maybe by Franklin or Milek. Like they just, you know, they, they were just basically printed at that day for right. whoever wanted to show up for the Islanders. But uh, yeah, what a, yeah. what an era for, for, for Ronnie Hextall on, right. on Long Island. It's number 72. Man, yeah. another thing. Like the the weird goalie number. We'll never we'll never uh kind of I'll never forget just seeing a goalie mm. jersey number 72 be like, "Yeah, and now now it's a it belongs to another former Flyer goalie who's maybe the the best goalie I've ever seen <laughs> judging by what he's doing right now." Right. You just um, absolutely love to see the former Flyers do well in the playoffs. You know, it's, yeah. it's something we're not used to at all here. As right. uh, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, well, Nick Cousins, man, is is one of my favorite people on the planet right now. So he can he can, he's he's my favorite former Flyer ever. Yeah. Right. Uh, the yeah. The funny thing about Hextall is uh, he, he first of all he's definitely the only player in NHL history that deferred his jersey number to Derek King who was 27 <laughs> on the Islanders at the time, which is why you had to wear 72. Uh, I'm sure that never happened again or before. Uh, and second was, yeah, I think him and ironically, another Islanders goalie later on, Chris Osgood, both seemed like they, they came from like garage sales. Like they kind of put their gear together, you know, in pieces. Like the jersey didn't quite look right on them. They're wearing a helmet that doesn't look right. Hexos helmet was just blank white for a long time. And the pads don't quite look right. Eventually they get around to it. Uh, and then they got traded again. But uh, yeah, that he definitely had a unique look uh, back then. But before we get to him coming to the island, this is kind of a stupid question, but it's a setup question. So like, Bill, what does Ron Hextall, the player, mean to Flyers fans both then and now? We'll get to his you know front office work later on. But as a player, I mean, it's safe to say that Ron Hextall has got to be one of the most beloved Flyers of all time, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, obviously, like Bernie Perrant wins the two cups, wins uh, back-to-back Vezinas, back-to-back Consmites. He's the greatest goalie in franchise history. He's still a legend in this town. You can run into him pretty much anywhere. Uh, he's he's beloved. Sure, Bob Nystrom. That's Bob yes, Nystrom to yes. us. He just, you just show up anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> he's absolutely beloved. But Ron Hextall is like just our favorite badass. Like, of course we have the fight. It's the broad street bullies. Of course we have the fighting goalie, you know, and right. just, he wins the, he wins the con Smythe in a losing effort. He's just revered in a different way here. And he has the second stint. They get back to his Stanley cup final, but he's definitely, uh, he's up in the flyers hall of fame. He's very much revered as a player here. People loved him. You know, he's the guy that jumped Chris Chelios. He's a guy who scored a couple of goals. Like he's he's loved for his just absolute short fuse. And he had some pretty great seasons along the way. 
Yeah, like you said. I mean, he won a Vezina Trophy as a rookie. Like I didn't realize he, that was his rookie year. Thought, Holy crap! That was that was quite a 1987. And then they go to the finals. He wins the Conn Smythe, even though they they were on the losing end. Uh, but he was so outstanding against the Oilers in seven games that they gave him the Conn Smythe Trophy. Uh, he was second in Calder Trophy voting. Luke Robitaille won. I guess whatever Hextall did wasn't good enough. Uh, it blows, it's always blown my mind. And this is a year before <laughs> I was born, so I didn't see it. But how do you, how are you the best goalie in hockey, but only the second best rookie? That's absolutely insane to me. Every time I look at his hockey reference page and I see yeah. Calder too, I'm like, but he won everything else. Yeah, that's crazy. I remember because, you know, I'm, I'm you know, born in 1990, but I remember the 97 Stanley Cup Finals is like the first vivid one mm. that like I have some memories for. And the my favorite thing about it is it's is it it's got to be the only goaltending tandem where both guys ended up <laughs> as general managers, right? Like and talk about like badass goalies, Gar Snow. I feel like maybe Hextall rubbed off on him uh, right. from yeah. from this oh, part of his career. Very much, uh, very much a tandem that fit together. I always yes. this is something that always uh, I'm always surprised by in those '97 playoffs. Garth Snow started like four or five more games than Hextall. Like it was a tandem, yeah. but it was Snow's net. Yeah. Put up the exact same numbers, <laughs> much, but you, you know why? Because you look at Garth and his equipment, and you're like, how can anyone score on this guy? Yeah, he's 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 wearing six chest protectors. His pads are gigantic. There's a abominable snowman painted on his helmet. Like, how is anybody ever scoring on this guy? And then you watch him play, and he gets lit up. You're like, he can't move in all, all that equipment. That's why everyone's scoring on him. And his shoulder pads. How's this? How's the puck right. going in? Yeah, I know the shoulder pads were wider than the net. I think sometimes, and uh, yeah, it's always great when like they have to change the rules. To accommodate for you, right? Like oh, I didn't do anything wrong. What am I? What are you talking about? Everybody changes the rules on me, but yeah, that was that was Garth for a while there. But yeah, so you know the Flyers went to not only the Cup final, but they went to an Eastern Conference final, and uh, uh, Hextall was the guy in net for the whole time. But then then things started getting a little bit weird. Um, you know, he got into a whole thing with, a, with his contract. He started getting injured a lot. And uh, the Flyers started missing the playoffs, which was kind of a weird thing because, I mean, they were one of the best teams in the league in one, one year. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's two years out of the playoffs. That's so odd. Uh, but at some point, uh, the Quebec Nordiques make a decision that has huge ramifications on the NHL. They draft Eric Lindros, who does not want to play for the Quebec Nordiques. And uh, he gets traded to the Flyers, not the Rangers, very important, uh, for a huge package of players. That includes Ron Hextall, who, again, just a couple of years earlier was, uh, you know, the starting goalie. Like he was the one of the better goalies in the league and was a, a hero to the Flyers. Uh, I mean, obviously you were probably five or six years old, but like, do you have any recollection of this trade? Is this still something that's kind of like talked about? I mean, it's funny because on one hand, you're like, oh, man, they just traded their their important goalie. That's kind of an enormous seismic trade. But the Flyers got back Eric Lindros. It's not like they didn't get back. I mean, trust me, Islanders fans know about lopsided trades, but like you got back Eric Lindros. So it's not like this is a bad trade. I mean, is this again, is no, this still something you'll talk about? It's definitely something people talk about. And I will always stand up for the trade because mm -hmm. they got, they got exactly what was advertised in an all time generational player. And Eric Lindros, he was just a little too far ahead of his time. Like yeah. he was too big for the sticks they had, he couldn't skate with his head up, but he was still an amazing player. People talk about Forsberg, you know, and ending up in uh, 
ending up eventually in Quebec and Colorado when they move and Colorado goes on to win the two cups. And people think like, oh, that would have happened in Philly. If you give Eric Lindros, Joe Sackick, and Patrick Waugh, the team literally never loses. Like, <laughs> True. They go 82-0 and every single year. Like, it's yeah. it's unbelievable. It's, it's a trade people definitely still talk about. And, you know, they gave up a ton. And Peter Forsberg's the headliner. But, yeah, Ron Hextall's in there. Uh, Mike mm. Ricci's in there. There's there, uh, five or six guys, a couple million bucks. Like, it was yeah. an incredible trade. And I always just think, too, though, like what it accomplished for the Flyers. My uh my dad, who never watched a hockey game in his life, hears that <laughs> they got this, they got this, you know, the next one. You know, Eric Lindros, right. this guy that he's heard is you know, the next Gretzky, this mythical, he's gigantic, he hits everybody, he scores all these goals, and goes and gets, you know, like a Flyers season ticket package and oh, wow. gets into hockey then. And I I'm a little kid and everyone hmm. on my block starts playing street hockey. Like it it's Kelly and I, uh, Kelly Hinkle and I talk all the time, like for our generation of Flyers fans, Eric Lindros is the reason that got us into the team. Like we mm-hmm. missed the the awesome, obviously what they did in the 70s right. and then the 80s where they go to three cups, but lose them all to dynasties, including mm-hmm. your Islanders once. And uh, like the 90s come around and it's just kind of done from 88 until Lindros shows up. And that's what got us into it. And it's probably why I'm talking to you right now. <laughs> wow, that's a, that's pretty wild. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, of it. I, now I feel bad for for making fun of <laughs> Jeff Marrick on 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 Islanders anxiety for bringing up the Eric Lindros trade. Anytime we get near the trade deadline, do you think there's going to be? Now I know that this trade doesn't come around much anymore, but is there a chance we see another Eric Lindros trade come around? Right. No, no, Jeff. I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but I guess the ramification cap now. How do you like? Yeah. Nobody trades their superstars, and if you could, like three teams in the league have cap space and they can't afford them anyway. Yeah, we got to tell Jeff it's a different era now. Uh, yeah. But this trade to me, like, it could, you know, I'm a, as an Islander fan who, like, like I said, two years old when Eric Lindros gets traded here. But you just look at the names on it, and it's just a smorgasbord. Because we, we we've done our our Chris Simon weird Islanders episode from last season. Uh, he's involved, of course, Jocelyn Tebow, who might go down as maybe the best looking goalie of all time. It's, it's between him and Laurent Bossois. Mm. And, uh, like it's, it's a hilarious group of, of players and it kind of sets up for Hextall's, all of his, uh, transactions here. I mean, the, the, the next one that he gets traded with is Todd Bertuzzi's involved, obviously coming to the Islanders. And then when he leaves Long Island to go back to Philly, it's, for Islander legend Tommy Soderstrom, who's, who I still have a Tommy Soderstrom stick in my parents' garage. So future Weird uh, Islanders episode, Tommy Soderstrom. Uh, he's incredible. A lot of connective tissue here. He's he's got the best. He's the best equipment. He's got the best goalie equipment of all time. Definitely. You know, it's, it's just yeah. the best look ever. Another garage sale looking guy. With yeah, he's like, he took what Arthur Zerbe was doing. It's like I can make this look a little stranger. Yeah. <laughs> By being taller and gangly, skinnier, uh, but yeah, uh, but yeah. So it, it's funny. Also, by the way, I, that story you told about like Lindros kind of getting hockey fans in, in Philly into the Flyers—that's amazing. And like, I mean, I'm old, right? But like for Mike's generation, imagine if that player was Sean Bates. Like, it's a little bit of a different, you know, from I mean, Lindros <laughs> and Sean Bates. But it's the like same yeah. kind of principle. You know? Yeah, it's it's basically like like I guess if it would be Yashin, right? Like. For yeah, me. yeah. I was I was 11 when they traded for Yashin, and uh, he he of course 
was a holdout right. <laughs> the yeah, year was, before. <laughs> Eleven was, when they traded for him, and sixteen when they bought him out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Great. Uh, uh, but so him. yeah, so so Hextall plays a year in Quebec. Um, I mean, again, just like this had to seem strange, right? Like this guy at first he didn't really want to go, apparently, but he came around to it, and again he was hurt and whatnot. But they they were good enough that he was good enough for them that they made the playoffs. Is there any kind of you know recollection of of Ron Hextall, Quebec Nordique, still amongst Flyers fans, or is that just sort of kind of forgotten? Uh, it, it all just kind of folds into the uh, like the Lindros trade. That's like oh, you, you'll see right. like an old photo. It's like oh, look at him, and like everyone loves Nordiques jerseys. It's like oh, look at sure. look at Ron in that jersey. It's oh right, he <laughs> was part of that trade. Like, everyone thinks of some of the other guys involved because Hextall had fallen out of favor at that point. He'd he'd had the groin injuries that had lingered for a while. The team was just kind of limping along after they were so good in the eighties. And all of a sudden you you see Ron Hex, like that doesn't look right. No, (laughs) is that real? Okay. Nice stash. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. Right. Well, we had, uh, we had down goes Brown on to talk about Wendell Clark and it was kind of the same thing. Seeing, seeing Wendell Clark in that fisherman Jersey just never really, (laughs) <laughs> Felt right, you know, for for longtime Leafs fans, but yeah. So so he spent the one year in Quebec, and again, you know, it didn't start out good, but it ended up being okay. And they lost in six games to the the Habs in the playoffs because that's basically what the Nordiques did every year. So it wasn't a really su- big surprise there. But then the expansion draft comes along, and this was for the Ducks and Panthers. And uh, uh, you could only protect one goalie at the time. Islanders general manager Don Maloney, who again we've talked about on this show, and Islanders anxiety and in passing with all of our friends, because we hate him even more than we hate Ron Hextall, uh, decides to not protect uh, either one of his goalies that helped the Islanders get to the Prince of Wales Conference Finals in 1993. He doesn't leave uh, Glenn Healy protected. He, he lets him get picked up in the expansion draft. And he trades Mark Fitzpatrick, who was only 24 at the time, had won the Masterton Trophy for coming back from uh, e- EMS, uh, a blood disease, trades him to Quebec. With a first-round pick, they swapped first-round picks. As Mike mentioned, Todd Bertuzzi would have been the Islanders' pick. Adam Deadmarsh ended up being the pick for the Nordiques. And the Islanders get Ron Hextall, uh, and they protect him in the expansion draft. And so both Fitzpatrick and Healy, just a year after the Islanders, you know, just months after the Islanders had ridden them to a, a conference final, are both gone. And the guy in net is a guy who played for their biggest rival, one of their biggest rivals just a couple of years before, and is not particularly well-liked amongst the fan base and uh he would hear about it uh he went one and five one five and one in his first couple of games and uh yeah it didn't go too well to the point where espn had a a package about it and uh talking about how how much he was struggling and was working to rein in his legendary temper Tough times for the New York Islanders, off to a 1-6-1 and start off such a promising postseason stretch run a year ago. One of the many reasons for the slow beginning is the inconsistency between the pipes. Ron Hextall has not lived up to expectations. His goals against coming in, 4.25. Now, the Isles picked him up to stop pucks and bring some fire to the ice. The latter has never eluded him. I think I play emotionally, and I, and I think it's hard for some people to understand because there really hasn't been many goalies who, who play with emotion. 
one of the most intense goaltenders in the NHL. It's easy to see why Ron Hextall is sometimes misunderstood even before play begins or in between face-offs. He's expressing himself on the ice. There have been times, though, when Hextall channeled his intensity the wrong way. It was May 24, 1987, Game 4 against the Edmonton Oilers in the Stanley Cup Finals, and Kent Nielsen was at the wrong place the wrong time. I mean, it was ridiculous. I was just getting run every night like, uh, you know, I would say eight or ten times. And, yeah, it got frustrating, no question about it, and it got to the point where I felt, well, they're doing it. I guess I'm going to have to do something. So. But obviously it was a mistake. That mistake cost him an eight-game suspension. Then came May 11th, 1989, the playoffs versus the Montreal Canadiens, and this time Chris Chelios paid the price. We were on the verge of getting beat out, and, uh, you know, I was a little emotional. I wasn't excited about the situation our team was in, and, uh, you know, I went after him, and, and, and certainly I'm not going to say I should have went after him. It was a mistake, no question about it, but... On the other hand, any one of our players except for me could have went, went after him like I did and done the same thing as I did. I didn't hit him with my stick, dropped my stick, and uh, uh, didn't even hit him actually, but I just tried to punch him, and I think I got 12 games for that. Well, as Hextall gets older, maybe he gets a little wiser. He's trying to control his emotions and just win some hockey games with the New York Islanders. I think maybe uh, I'm maturing. So I thought this was kind of funny because... Like, if there's one thing that I think would have appealed to Islanders fans at the time, it's that this guy had this legendary temper, which, of course, you know, we revere Billy Smith here because he, like, literally tried to fight everybody on the ice. And so here's Ron Hextall is kind of cut from the same cloth. In fact, this New York Times story I found talked about it right off the jump, how much he's, he's like Billy Smith. But it never really, it's never really kind of coalesced. And it's really, you know, in a way, I kind of felt bad for him, even though I was one of the people booing him all this time. Um you know, so I guess at this time too, like the, the still focus for you guys was still on on Lindros, but now Ron Hexall is playing for a division rival. Like that's that's got to be weird. Like, <laughs> I mean, did anybody like you know, your dad or whoever like be like, what the hell is this guy doing with these Islanders now? This just doesn't feel right. No, it is. It is always weird to see. Like with Quebec, you just see him like, oh wow, that's weird to look at. But when you actually see him across the ice. You yeah, know, when yeah, he's yeah, on the other I'm, team, it's it's always a very weird thing. And he is it's not just some guy who was here for a little bit. It's somebody right. everybody genuinely loved for a long time until the team just kind of started to fall apart. Uh, but right. it's definitely a, a very weird feeling, you know, in the years since we've gotten uh, very used to seeing some of our favorite <laughs> players end up in other jerseys. But, you know, at the time. It's a franchise where guys retired flyers, and it's just a time in sports where guys stayed put more. So it's yeah. like you're you're just looking at this dude like, hey, weren't weren't we just in the cup final with him? And now <laughs> like he's playing for the Isles. Like it, it's right. definitely a very weird thing, especially right. for like you just look at like, the years he played. Like it, quick glance, it's just all Philly, and then oh, right. in the middle there's. Oh, there's two other teams in there. That's weird looking that he's always, oh, and then he's back in Philly at 30. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. We'll, right, we'll get to that, that trade. Thank God. Yeah. Is that one of the, uh, Don Maloney's actual good moves in a second? But yeah, this was, I mean, it was weird for us too. Like I remember, you know, what Mike was talking about before people being like, all right, you're going to go play goal in, in street hockey, you're Hextall or, you know, that this was when, uh, the, I remember having the, uh, the Sega Genesis game. And Hextall was the goalie for the Islanders in, I guess, would have been NHL 94. Or, yeah, I guess maybe 94 or 93. 
And it was weird then too. And like, you know, his numbers were pretty good. Uh, he, again, it took him a while to kind of come around and he was, his start was so bad that people were just like, they were doing the hex, hex, doll, hex, the same chant they were doing when he played for the flyers, they were doing to him while he played for the Islanders. And this was apparently a big problem. I know it sounds, sounds crazy to think about, but this did not go over well. And in fact, his teammates were the ones who were like, we need to play better in front of this guy because he's getting eaten alive by these fans. And, you know, he doesn't really have time to kind of write himself. And he's a general uh, lunatic, so we really don't want him <laughs> losing his mind. Also true, too. <laughs> it's going to be a slap shot. He's going to fight a fan. <laughs> yeah. And, and like this, this kind of like four year window of, mm. of Islanders kind of leads to Islander villains while wearing the Islander jersey, right. whether it be Hextall or, or Muller or whoever. Like, mm. this, was, this was not a time when it was, it was rare that the Islanders faithful were turning on their own players, coaches, <laughs> owners. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's just eating their own, um, you know, and it, it kind of is. It, it's funny, just like Ron Hextall and Josh Bailey probably have never been compared to each other, but it, it gave me a little bit of a, a Josh Bailey kind of shiver down my spine there just listening to you you kind of talk about how his start was slow to his islander career and and that just was it like people were like okay he he was bad at the start i don't care he's not gonna change my mind he sucks like yeah. you know josh bailey's turned into a, a wonderful nhl player that we all love and mm-hmm. still there are people that won't forgive him for right. his 18 year old season i was gonna say because yeah, he was bad at 18 but uh, yeah, yeah I, I don't know how many other teams also had a website named after the chant used to deride their own general manager. You know, <laughs> Mike, Mike must go.com was a, a big formative place for a lot of us. And I mean, I, I don't remember a time when we weren't chanting Mike must go, even when he was, like, <laughs> he was just a coach. I hear people were chanting that, but, uh, but yeah, so Hextall is start. Wasn't good. He, again, he might've had some injury issues too, but at one point he catches fire and the team starts playing much better. Uh, he plays 20 straight games at one point, which is still a lot back in, in the early nineties. Um, and on the last day of the season, or at least the second to last day of the season, they needed a tie against Tampa Bay and he goes out and he gets a shutout. Ron Hextall in goal, the save on John Tucker, the pad stop, Tucker, the follow-up save. Hextall is fifth shutout this year. The Islanders clinched the last playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. That makes Thursday night season finale with the Panthers meaningless. The Isles win despite being outshot 30-17. to 17. Isles will open the playoffs Sunday at the Garden in New York. He had five shutouts that year, which I think might have been like a career high, maybe at the time, or maybe he get, Like, I was like, I was under the impression that he wasn't very good. But, you know, you, you walk away with five shutouts, especially in that era in the season. That, that's pretty darn good. And to get, to clinch a playoff spot with a shutout is really, really impressive. Uh, and so they had a little bit of momentum going into the playoffs. And uh, yeah, that didn't last very long. Um, they got swept by the Rangers in embarrassing fashion. He gave up. Uh, I had it. I had a note here. He gave up. He went zero and three in the playoffs. Uh, gave up sixteen goals in those three games with an eight hundred save percentage. Sixteen uh, goals on eighty shots. Like, yeah, he just got <laughs> was, even for even for the time. Like he's just getting destroyed. Yeah, they just they got completely obliterated in that series. I think it was six nothing or six nothing, and then five one, and then five two. I think were the scores. And uh, we had our friend Joe Bono on, who could say he could he could remember all the goal scorers in that series because there was only three of them. 
And uh, yeah, it, it was bad. And, you know, whatever maybe goodwill he had picked up over the course of this, you know, season completely got undone by this, you know, getting swept is one thing, but getting swept by the Rangers. And then, of course, what do the Rangers do that spring? Well, you know, we don't need to get into it. It's fine. We don't, we all know what happened. We don't need to talk about it. But, uh, but it, it was bad. And this was, you know, again, we, we give Don Maloney a lot of grief for a lot of really, really bad trades that he made, uh, you know, Pierre Turgeon among them. But he at least was smart enough to recognize that this whole Hextall thing is not going to work out. Fans, you know, if he loses a game, the fans hate him. He just got completely, you know, destroyed in a playoff series against our biggest rivals who then went on to win a championship. Uh, This is not going to work. And so fortunately, he found a taker in the Philadelphia Flyers, where Ron Hextall probably should have stayed his entire career. And uh, he says uh, Ron had a slow start and a disastrous finish, which was accurate, but, you know, kind of cut out a bunch of details. And anyway, trades Maloney trades um, Hextall back to the Flyers for a, a draft pick and goalie Tommy Soderstrom. What was the feeling like to get Ron Hextall back in Philly? <laughs> it must have been like, oh, thank God. Well, they're dealing with, you know, the the search for a goalie in Philadelphia has and will never end. Even when we have one, we say, is he the guy? We, 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 we're we never happy with the goaltending, no matter what we're getting. Uh, but at this point, you're dealing with, you know, 23-year-old Dominic Roussel, uh, the hmm. aforementioned Tommy Soderstrom. Like, they just, they don't have any sort of steadying force in net and as became a uh, a running theme in Philadelphia following this you know bringing somebody back well we have this problem that we can't solve um well let's just let's just get the guy who did it before you know and <laughs> they they do that and but people are happy you know like I, I said we all uh, we all grew up playing street hockey and it was the Eric Lindros trade that really inspired us to become hockey fans and uh like my buddy frank was our goalie and he wanted to like he was ron hexall when we played you know like he was wearing 27 he's tapping the posts he wants to get in and slash everybody and like (laughs) ron hexall even though he's been gone a couple of years like ron hexall is still like in our minds our goalie and then he comes back and uh, actually has some success so it was people were definitely happy about it yeah, yeah, no, he and he came back and played really, really well. I mean, he was an older guy, but now I guess he had calmed down. And I mean, the Flyers went back to the Stanley Cup final. We don't need to talk about what happened there, obviously. Uh, but they had another the first year back, they went to the Eastern Conference final. They lost to the Devils, but like they had missed the playoffs a bunch of years in in a row, and all of a sudden they were right back with the goalie who they had had before during their previous sort of glory era. Yeah, that must have been pretty satisfying to be like, oh shit. We're so back. We're so back now, you know. But yeah, as as we all know, that those things don't always last. <laughs> Being back doesn't always last. That no, and he's he's in his thirties at this point when he comes back. Uh, but you know that ninety five team was was excellent. Uh, I believe that's the year Lindros won MVP, and they just run into they just they get trapped. You know, they yeah. <laughs> they run into the Devils in ninety five, and then finally break through in ninety seven. But uh, as we later find out, like that Red Wings team, as I mentioned, you know, they run into three dynasties in the 80s. That Red Wings team is just a group of Hall of Famers. It's just an all-star team. It's it's yeah. a whole alumni team just on the ice together, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it th- that's just the way it goes. But he had some he did have some highlights here to the point that everyone everyone was still a fan. Like everyone knew it was time. 
You know, mm. he, he gives up. He's given up goals from the red line. He's getting he's just getting absolutely freaking crushed at, at mm. some points late in his career. But everyone still likes him. It was just like, oh, bro, it's I think it's over It's time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What a what a team that Flyers 97 team was. I, I, I there's a couple names that on that team that, of course, we need to mention. Um, you know, we talked about s- snow a little bit. Then, how could we not have an episode of Weird Islanders and find a way to bring up Yanni Ninema? Uh, <laughs> because he's he's on this team and had an incredible playoff. I'm looking yeah. at the the hockey reference, and uh, he is uh, it goes in in points scored. Lindros, Brendamore, John Leclaire, Yanni Ninema. Of course, as as a, is expected, a 21 year old phenom. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think that's I think that's Yanni's rookie year, uh, and it, he might have been traded the like the next year, but he did have the uh, yeah he he gets traded in, like the middle of the following season, and he was gonna be oh look at look at this playoff he's having like he's our okay we've needed the secondary scoring we have the Legion of mm-hmm. Doom we have Brendamore we need someone to put with him okay like uh, we don't mm-hmm. have a young blue line no he's uh-huh. he's gone year later he's. <laughs> Uh, god you still see i don't know do you you ever see ninema jerseys walking around uh in philly like um, i will i'll say you'll see three to four season Mm. at ubs arenas to this day like uh, you know those those orange islanders yanni and you'll see a ninema jersey i'm sure there's someone listening to this podcast Uh, (laughs) one one of the one of the projects we're working on is to have a a weird islanders day at, at ubs arena where everybody wears their their weirdest jersey and there will be a Ninema jersey there. I can guarantee you that. Oh, that is a we might have to steal that in some way. That's really good. <laughs> I like that idea. I can't yeah, say I've can seen do- too many of the uh, of, uh Flyers Ninema jerseys, but I uh that's that's a really fun promotion idea. Yeah. We might steal that. Yeah, absolutely. It should maybe maybe when they play the Islanders, we can <laughs> we can just make it uh, when the Islanders and Flyers do their annual home and home. Yeah, we'll 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 all wear our weird jerseys, and then when we travel to to Philly, you guys can wear yours, and there will be a Yanni Ninema jersey at at both games. You're uh you're free to steal the entire Weird Islanders the, the podcast the like Weird Flyers the podcast is just as long as uh, when you do an episode on Claude Lapointe, you have Mike and I on as the guest. <laughs> He's our guy. We, uh... <laughs> you, you book you book you book a weekend because yes. it's going to be an eight hour epic. We got a lot to say about him, by God. I'll tell you that. I will just, but, uh, I'll just try to pass this along to like Kelly or Steve or someone. I'm not going to assume more work, but maybe someone else will take. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, you know, there are teams that are like uniquely kind of situated for this exact kind of concept, and the Islanders and Flyers are two of them for sure. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, so, yeah. So, Hextall comes back. He has, a, he has a great sort of resurgence there. And uh, he retires as a flyer, as as it should be, and immediately joins the front office. And he starts as a scout. He ends up going to the Kings for a little while. And he comes back as a general manager. And so now it is, you know, again, it, it's funny. Again, I, I listen to you guys all the time. And, and, you know, lots of teams have this sort of thing. But it seems like the Flyers kind of almost lead the league in these sort of situations where this is the time. This is, this is the moment where the guy comes back and he's ready to lead the team to the glory years again. And it just never materializes. And like him coming to the flyer. And now, and now we're talking about recent history. I mean, this is not, not that long ago. It sort of felt like that, even for me as a person, that's not even a flyers fan. It felt like, Oh wow, this is almost sort of like too perfect. And, and like Hextall was one of those guys that was always for years was the, Oh, he's the next guy. Like, you know, anytime there's a GM opening, he's the guy he's, you know, Ron Hextall is a guy to watch, you know, the insiders, the Darren Dreggers and all these guys are kind of promoting him. Um, but, uh, he, I guess, you know, got the job that he was meant to get, which is with the Flyers, but didn't really work out, I think, the way that you guys all kind of suspected. And what's funny to me is that he almost kind of ran the Flyers a little bit like his buddy Garth Snow ran the Islanders. Extremely conservative, you know, just kind of same team over and over again and, you know, very rarely making kind of big moves. And I know that was a big complaint with you guys was that Sometimes it didn't seem like he was really doing no, much. It's, like, what are we doing here, you know? Kind it of moves it, the, moves it really was, bit. like, such a ridiculously frustrating time. Like, even going back while he's in L.A., right. like, we've always, Flyers fans always kind of looked at it like, he's going to come home and be our GM one day. Hmm. It, was, it was a foregone conclusion right. that this was one day going to happen. Hmm. As if, you know, winning a cup and everything. No, that was just like college with the Kings. We sent him to college. He's learning how to do it somewhere else, which is great because he's he's not a part of the old boys network in Philly. He's learning it somewhere else. And then right. he'll come back and assume his role running this team. And it almost worked out. You know, like he had a plan, which is I, I, I it's funny to be. Oh, well, he had a plan. But then you look at the Chuck Fletcher. But we don't need to get into that. Uh, the problem was like his plan was. <laughs> I don't know if it was ownership saying, no, you can't trade Claude Drew and Jake Voracek or whatever it was, but it was just mm. such a half measure. He was extremely conservative. He would not trade draft picks. He would not trade prospects. And that's fine because for years, the Flyers basically just didn't draft. They just traded everything. And 
one they had right. <laughs> so we could go get Paul Coffee or Adam Oates or whatever over the hill dude we needed. And it right. just was unsustainable. <laughs> and he he came in with this plan to draft and develop. But it's like, uh, yeah, well, we still have some pretty good players. We're drafting between ninth and 16th every year. Kind of hard to find a star. And the team just never got better. So then eventually it got worse. And still, like his biggest move, it was bringing back, again, bringing someone back from the day, like James Van Riemsdyk, who, listen, nice. They needed a goal scorer. They got themselves a goal scorer. That's all well and good. But that's the biggest move you made as the general manager of the team. JVR, like the guy who scores 28 mm. goals, like that's it. <laughs> I I don't see it. And it just right. got to the point where yeah. he was so dug in against what seems like everybody, uh, like from from the, uh, the old mm. consultants of Bob Clark and Billy Barber and that whole crew. And mm. the fans, ownership, that he just wasn't taking advice from anyone. And he was dug in on yeah. Dave Hackstall, who it turns out might be a good coach now. He wasn't <laughs> then. Like, he wasn't then. <laughs> he, I, I watched wow. the games. The team was not good. True. And that was definitely the biggest issue. But the coach <laughs> was in no way helping. He has learned quite a bit since then. And it was his refusal to even change his mind about the coach. That ultimately got him fired. The coach hung around for a couple, like another month or so, Dave Hextall, after Ron Hextall was fired because they just needed, we were like, he's his own interim coach now. Like, that's what we were calling him. Like, he is the interim for the replaced Dave Hextall. (laughs) But it was like, because Hextall refused to bring up Carter Hart, refused to uh, fire Dave Hextall, he, he got himself fired. And as we're seeing, maybe he didn't learn his lesson in Philadelphia. Uh, yeah. To get right. into this. <laughs> okay. So this is, yeah, this is, this is where we all come together in against the common enemy. So like you said, Hextall doesn't really work out. He gets let go. And very quickly, like almost like discerningly quickly, he is named the general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins, which is again a very weird like you know for the islanders we had don maloney who was a ranger and then two years you know he spends two years as an islander the next thing you know he's the general manager like wait what the hell just happened how did this guy go from playing with the rangers to being the islander's general manager you know ron hextall's playing days were well over but this guy went from being the flyers gm to the penguins gm in such a short period of time it was like wait this is this is strange but i guess you know at that point i don't know if people really kind of had that same association but certainly seemed to me again going back all these years and, you know, the fear now, and I'm sure you had the same fear, was that like, oh, great. Now, now, you know, the Penguins, this is just what they do. They're going to get some other general manager and they're going to win a cup. But we all were fortunate <laughs> to watch this team implode from the inside and Ron Hexel get run out on a rail. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about our sort of enjoyment of the Brendan Shanahan uh, press conference and uh, what the hell's going on up in Toronto. But we got a little taste of this in, in Pittsburgh this year with some... Uh, some tasty nuggets, uh, particularly from the athletic of uh, people just having the knives out for Hextall and uh, people really thinking that this was sort of an inside <laughs> job. And again, we've had this, we've heard this about Don Maloney, like how, how satisfying must this have been to watch one of your biggest rivals get cut up by not only the guy who was your, your general manager, but you know, yeah, still a franchise. The icon. blood was so bad when Hextall left. And like, we all still very much appreciate yeah. what he did as a player, mm-hmm. but his tenure as general manager, sure. You know, went from promising to disaster in a short amount of time. 
And it was just like he he goes and has after he gets fired, like a press conference across the street in like a restaurant because he needs to get his side of the story out there. And then he goes to the Penguins, and it just kind of take notes, like, Dubis. It just kind of seemed like a uh, like another shot, almost like he's going to take a job. You know, he he's not a player anymore. He's a he's a yeah, he's a, sure. an executive. He's just going to take a job. But it's like, yeah, bro, the Penguins, like the, the team we hate, you know, the the, right. the Cowboys, the mm. Mets, the Penguins, like the mm. team we freaking hate. You're going to go over there, but yeah. now to see how it all transpired, it's like. Yo, do we do we forgive Ron? Like Ron's cool again, right? We're we're cool with Hexy, like because he he ruined the Penguins. So I, I think we're all good with him. It sure. was a very odd hire from the beginning. Like just having seen what Hextall believes, like his philosophy. Mm. If you're rebuilding, sure, bring him in. Yeah, if you have a directive to start over, draft and develop, do the shit he likes to do. I'm sorry, I don't know if I can swear here. Um. <laughs> Like, no, that's cool. <laughs> do the you know the Ron Hextall thing, this long term plan that makes sense. When you have Crosby mm-hmm. and Malkin and Latang, there's no long term plan. There's today. Yeah, that ain't going. Like there's, no, there's today no with the Penguins. Yeah, you are but... trying to win another cup before these guys are gone. It just seemed like such an odd hire, mm. and it turns out it was the exact wrong move for them. I'm 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 a big proponent of uh, <laughs> the Islanders. Uh, celebrating uh people who score goal big goals against the Rangers, like you know, I've always said that there should be an Adam every time Adam Henrique comes to Nassau Coliseum or UBS Arena, they should show a tribute video. Alec Martinez, I feel like a, a Ron Hextall <laughs> tribute video, like when he comes back, maybe for another alumni night, they should cut up some some uh mm-hmm. some B roll of of Michael Granlund. You know, skating around for the Penguins and and Jeff John John Marino and Jeff Cart John Marino playing for the Devils and Jeff Carter, uh, you know, still trying to figure out if Grandpa he can still play Jeff in the Carter NHL. out there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like this, yeah. they, there should be a you know, I I would I am all for just leaning into uh, the fact that he it was an inside job. Like why why wouldn't you? And and if I was him, I would just be like, yeah, what you know, I'm a flyer. Like imagine just imagine the parade that would be thrown for him if he's just came out and said oh my God. Uh, yeah. yeah it was a you know i was i was an inside, it was an inside yeah. job uh, it you really know? turned like it's the blood was really bad for a little bit there like the, uh, the penguins came to town and i heard and i know where this is but i haven't been in the press box in a few years like you know there's plaques of different players and their accomplishments around like when the penguins came into town a co- uh, i think a year ago Hextall's plaque was missing. It was just, it was not <laughs> like, Ooh, it was just nice. little petty stuff. Like, I was, love that. That's great too, though. Oh no, it's, it's absolutely yeah. like, that's tremendous. Yeah. Whoever, like someone was walking by and was like, let's get that down for tonight. Let's just, it'll go back up in the morning, but it's coming down tonight. So like that. Yeah. It, it it's like how the Islanders, every bit. time Tavares comes, they, they do something yeah. for Butch Gorick. They retire his number. They, they have a, they have a bobblehead no, uh, night. Anything to show number 91, yeah. you know, put a spotlight on the jersey of the rafters is that's not him yeah exactly. i'm all for that they should be doing it they should be doing more of that stuff so now hopefully hopefully now that he's that's funny at least damaged the end of the career of Sidney crosby we we can once again celebrate <laughs> yes. uh the greatness Everyone's of ron hextall jerseys can, can come out of <laughs> yeah. the closet oh that that's a ron hextall right. appreciation right. night part two uh would be beautiful
It's funny. It, no, it's funny. That that reminds me of when uh, Brian Trottier was the coach of the Rangers for a thankfully short amount of time because it had gotten to that point. Good luck taking out all the Brian Trottier <laughs> shit at Nassau Coliseum and the Islanders offices. That would have, that would have been very bad, but, uh, but that that's awesome. Oh my God. Kudos to whatever flyers uh, employee did that. Cause that's great stuff. Uh, but yeah, so, so then he was like, Oh, for from Pittsburgh. Now they got to try and, I don't know, reshine up the reputation of these guys. And like you said, try and get them one more cup. They still have no, no GM as of yet. Uh, hopefully it's, you know, Somebody else who's bad uh, might out might be former Islander Mark Bergevin. You never know. Maybe by the time you listen to this, uh, he's been hired, or somebody else. We'll see. But uh, yeah, so we we await Ron Hextall's next stop, uh, which I'm sure won't be uh, you know too far. Probably go to L.A. or something like that. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been a wild ride, and so you know for Hextall, the numbers for his career are pretty great: 608 games played. 296 wins, all-time leader for the Flyers, and 240 wins. I, I would have thought it was Perrant, but uh, Hextall had, has more wins. He also has more losses, but uh, that's because he was the goalie for 10 years. Uh, so, yeah, 296 wins, 214 losses, 69 ties. Very nice. And 23 shutouts for a career. That's pretty awesome. And with the Islanders, 65 games played, which I believe might be a, a team record for games played for a goalie, 27 wins, 26 losses, <laughs> six ties, uh, just basically denoting how mediocre that season was with five shutouts though, which was crazy. Uh, and then uh, a playoff series that uh, should have never happened, but uh, pretty good for a, a sixth round pick. I forgot to mention that off the top. That's pretty darn good for a sixth round pick to have almost 300 damn wins and, and, you know, be the team's all time leading goal scorer. So, so yeah, where, where are Flyers fans right now with Ron Hex? I mean, obviously listen, you know, nobody, I, I'm not going to pretend like Flyers fans give a shit about, his one year with Quebec and one year with the Islanders. But like, you know, I think if, if you were to bring him up, if there's enough time has passed, obviously they, they fired his successor as GM too. And he, you know, he got fired from his next job. I would think that most people are probably cool yeah, with him uh, again, right? People, you know, what he did as the general manager certainly is not looked upon fondly, but Ron Hextall is a flyer and his playing career, the way he played the game We'll always be fond of that. You know, we, as much as I don't want to be the Broad Street Bullies forever, I would love to be the most skilled team in the league. It's just kind of who we are. Like, it's <laughs> just, it's just ingrained yeah. in us, in our yeah. DNA. If you're a Philly sports fan, it's just, man, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that Ron Hextall's the fightingest mm. goalie ever, you know? Like, it's, it's just kind of something <laughs> we do still celebrate. And, like when he comes in as you know right after you know what like a year after Pelly Lindbergh passes away like it's just such a right. such a weird succession from from Perrant to Lindbergh and then to Hextall and then we haven't filled you know hopefully it's Carter Hart but it, there has been no long term solution mm -hmm. at the position since Ron Hextall. My yeah, my favorite wow. flyer goalie ever was uh, <laughs> Frankie Ninamaki Antero Ninamaki man. <laughs> That because he he was the goalie oh, yeah. that the, the Islanders had to beat the Flyers in that crazy 2007 series, and I was so scared. It's like if if Nidamaki just you know if he if he stones us here, I'll never be able to forgive. And you guys were terrible that year. Um, <laughs> it was an Easter Saturday, and and I think Alexa Yashin scored on like his first shot of the game, and I'm like, all right, we're getting that version of Nidamaki tonight. Thank God. Ugh, he was. The, I love that guy though, and I and I I remember it was Howie Rose was calling games with the Islanders back then, and uh. He he was obsessed with his nickname of Frankie, 
He was just like, there he is, the, the only Finnish mobster that Philadelphia has ever produced. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he had the uh, yeah the Frank Nitty uh, mask on the side. Uh, yeah, so yeah, he was he was a special. My favorite Flyers goalie would be Chico Esch, <laughs> otherwise known as Robert Esch, who uh, they called Chico uh, because uh, he had uh, you know he had R Esch on his sticks, and I think somebody when he was with Phoenix, might have been Keith Kachuk, was like Resch. When the hell did Chico get all his sticks? And they're like, wait, who'd we get? <laughs> so- <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Isn't he like sixty years old? No, but it was anyway. Uh, Bill, this has been great. I, I, again, I've I've been badgering you for so long to come on because I knew this would be so much fun. Uh, it's you know, it's it's always kind of a weird concept to like explain to somebody. Well, we just want to talk about a guy who only played for the Islanders for a little while, and some people kind of you know struggle with it or don't get it. But I mean, you you, you really nailed it, and I really appreciate it. And uh, I, again, I listen to your podcast all the time. And this week, you you talk, you had an interview with Keith Jones, who is now currently the Flyers president of hockey operations, which is like, I mean, I, if we ever interview somebody who works in the Islanders hockey ops, I, I would that'll be the last episode we ever do, because I don't know what we would ever do afterwards. But uh, I mean, it was a great interview. And, and what I liked was that, I mean, you obviously know each other pretty well. You, you, you've had a, a friendship for a while through the radio station, but like, you didn't shy away from asking him tough questions. You talked about the old boys club before and you went right for it. Like, you know, what, what makes you different from the other kind of old flyers we've brought back and, and he answered it. And I, I was, uh, uh, it was, I found it very heartwarming that you and Kelly were both sort of very, uh, very inspired almost by the end of it to kind of, you know, really give this a chance and hope that uh, he can pull this out. I mean, uh, he, he, you know, are you excited for this coming season with, with Jones and now I'm Danny definitely intrigued, you know, like we're, in terms of content, I think between Tortorella and Keith Jones, we're going to have plenty. You know, we sit down a lot. We sit down a lot, and then we're like, what are we talking about this week? Nothing's changed in five years for this team. Like, what what that, what could we possibly talk right. about? But I think uh, I think with, with Keith Jones at the helm, we'll definitely have stuff to talk about. And it does look as if they're enacting a plan. You know, you, you sit down with whether it's someone you know mm. or not. I have to ask those questions. Like if if someone just right. thinks, oh well, the oh Broad Street Hockey, they're just they're just in bed with the Flyers now. All right, well that's the end of our podcast. Like okay, so six, eight, however long we've been doing it, years of years of work of building it up, it's over. So we have to ask those questions, and it's stuff that I genuinely want to know. Uh, but I am I am interested to see what happens mm-hmm. with the team. They have uh, they have assembled some former Flyers in, in high ranks, which was. The exact opposite of what I was that's, hoping yeah. they would do. That's, a new, that's but, a new one for you guys. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the exact opposite of what I was hoping for. And then it's just one of those things right. where you go, what did I think they were going to do? Like hire some, like some dude right. out, of, out of Finland, like who's an analytics genius. Like this was right. never going to happen. It was going to yeah. be a former flyer. And Minimum. they got Danny and they got Keith Jones. And I mm. think it worked out. I mean, yeah, like Mike said before, the to us the Flyers are only like, you know, not far removed from being very good. And so it's always they're always the sort of like specter of being yeah, I like, still think Chris oh, right, is like controlling the blue line and it's gonna absolutely obliterate right, glaucoma yeah. <laughs> or something. But <laughs> yeah, like uh, they're gonna unearth somebody down the, the, the wing. Like here comes a goal. Yeah, exactly. DPHO's caught out of position again. <laughs> um like, and- <laughs> and uh and like even though the islanders now are in on solid footing for the first time in forever you know I'm, i never forget that the fact 
the fact that the Flyers are owned by Comcast. And so they are not, you know, in a position to ever have, uh, you know, struggle for, uh, you know, have to sell every inch of signage or, or, you know, real estate on their arena to make money, uh, you know, for advertising and stuff because uh, the coffers are always full. So you never know. Maybe maybe it works out and maybe these guys are the ones. It it could be. The budget has always been unlimited. Uh, that's kind of been the problem with them for the last 15, 20 years is all of a sudden a salary <laughs> cap was introduced and uh, they don't really understand. Like they get they're not allowed to spend a certain amount, but they don't understand that means, OK, we like Rasmus Ristolainen a lot. So let's give him five million dollars. No, you mm. can't. You can't because there's a there's a budget. <laughs> like they, They're just very they've had a hard time right, living yeah. within their means, which, listen, I can understand. I was in college once. Uh, but hopefully this this next uh, this next generation this new era of orange can can figure it out you know yeah oh yeah the marketing slapped that on already down so uh (laughs) so well wherever they go i will definitely be listening i hope other people do too where can everybody find broad street hockey radio uh just search broad street hockey wherever you find your podcast and go to broadstreethockey.com and it's all right there for you there you go. I urge everybody to do that. Bill, oh, I did. I hope you had a lot of fun, guys. Great. Uh, Michael Leboff, where can everybody find you on Twitter? Follow Mike at the Big Lebowski. Read his work at Action Network. Listen to his podcast at Action Network. Any final thoughts on Ron Hextall, Islander, Flyer, or Quebec Nordique? Hell, throw that in there. Why not? I just everybody keep going back to, to that that Milek, Milek stick and the fact that, you know, now I'm this this episode's kind of been interesting in the way of uh, like how who was your the player that got you into hockey and you know we talked about Lindros and and these kind of cult icons of of a couple organizations and it's just so funny to listen to to people from other fan bases talk about you know players like of Eric Lindros or uh his weight and then you like you said then you think back to the to you know to the Islanders and here I am we still can't stop talking about Sean Bates. You know, it's just, it's, it's so, it's just a bizarre, bizarre dichotomy uh, for two teams in the same league in the same division. And I also would, would like to say too, like right. it's, it's a funny rivalry with the Islanders and the Flyers. Cause like, it's not on the same level, of course, like Islanders Rangers or with the Leafs. Mm. And it's not that kind of weird Alliance that we have with the Habs and the devils. It's, it's, it's somewhere in between. Um, but at least we do have that common enemy and breaking the the Pittsburgh Penguins was, you know, just Ron Hextall doing that. That'll never, <laughs> that'll never be forgotten by me. So if he, if he does come back to UBS yeah. arena, hopefully they show a, you know, that tribute video with, you know, Mikhail yeah. Granlund and Crosby losing to Peter Mrazek mm-hmm. on that last night. So thank you, Ron Hextall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Morazic definitely deserves a, a round of applause at next his next game at UBS Arena. And yeah, it took 30 years, but Ron Hextall did finally did the Islanders a favor. So thank you, Ron. And thank you, Bill. And thank you, Mike. And uh, thank you for listening, everybody. We had a great time. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode of Weird Islanders, the podcast. Read Lighthouse Hockey every single day. If you were to up-to-date Islanders news and discussion, patreon.com slash Islanders Anxiety for ad-free episodes and bonus content. And until we talk to you next time, keep the Islanders weird. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.